I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash spoken today. Ready to start talking to your kids about financial literacy? Meet Greenlight, the debit card and money app that teaches kids and teens how to earn, save, spend wisely, and invest with your guardrails in place. Parents can send instant money transfers, automate allowance, and more. Plus, keep an eye on spending with real-time notifications. Join more than 6 million parents and kids building healthy financial habits together on Greenlight. Get your first month free at greenlight.com slash ACAST. That's greenlight.com slash ACAST. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Ruler Magazine Tech Podcast. I am your host, Dan Cavallari. I am joining you all the way from Colorado here in the United States, uh, as usual, in my garage. And strangely enough, I, I, was, I missed all the good weather in Colorado. I was out of, out of the state, got really warm and beautiful. I come back and it snowed. <laughs> it's like, man, I just can't catch a break. Uh, but fortunately, uh, it's supposed to warm up this week. I'm looking forward to getting back on the bike. And, you know... Again, we, we talk about this a lot. There are so many options for unbelievably good bikes in the bike world right now. We probably live in a time that is, you know, the, the top of, of, of the mountain for, for choices for bikes. Uh, and one of the brands that you maybe not, not have not heard of uh, as commonly spoken as something like a Trek or a Specialized or a Giant is Vitus. And, you know, they've been around for quite a long time, but, uh, you know, sort of a, a smaller brand looking to make their mark. And it got me to thinking a little bit about how bicycle brands grow. Uh, and there's a lot of ways that can happen. You know, one is you just work hard, you try to pump them out. And, and get that sort of word of mouth. But the other ways are to part, make strategic partnerships. And Vetus has done that. Uh, but you have to be careful with that because consumers have a lot of preconceived notions about what types of partnerships are good and which ones are not good. And Vetus has an interesting story there. So today on the line to talk about that story, uh, I have Alex A.J. James, uh, marketing manager, and Jody Shan, senior product manager. Gentlemen, thanks for joining me today. No problem, Dan. Good to be here. Glad that the weather in the UK is currently better than the weather in the US. Enjoy that. <laughs> it doesn't happen often. <laughs> Let's jump right in, guys. So first of all, um, tell me a little bit about Vetus, because I think most people don't really know a lot about the brand itself. So tell me where it came from, how it started, and how it got to where it is today. Uh, I guess I'll take that on. This this is Jody, um, senior product manager here. Um so Venus is actually a really old brand. Um, we're one of the, the few brands that, that can actually say we have kind of real heritage. Um, the brand started around about 1930 uh, in the south of France. It was actually a steel tubing manufacturer first, um, similar to the likes of Reynolds or, or Columbus. Um, that, that then kind of evolved into, instead of manufacturing tubes, they started manufacturing frames. Um, one of the original tube sets was called a Vetus tube set. Um, and from that, the, the Vetus bike brand was born, really. Um, and from that point forward, they, um, they grew and grew. Uh, along the way, pioneered 
uh, new technologies, technologies that you still see around today. Uh, in the 70s, um, they were very big in steel frame manufacturer, particularly um, road bikes. You would have seen a lot of kind of uh, world tour riders riding Vitus frames, whether it Vitus branded or branded um, up with other brand names at the time. Um, they then moved into aluminium, so they pioneered um, bonded aluminium tubes uh, into cast aluminium lugs. Uh, again, a lot of those bikes you'll see being ridden in the World Tour. Um, at the time, uh, Sean Kelly was probably one of the most famous riders riding Vitus. Uh, one of the most famous riders in the world still, still to date. Uh, won most of his big races aboard a Vitus, uh, initially a, a 979 steel bike and then into some of the carbon tubed uh, versions after that. Um, at the end of the 80s, Vitus was the world's biggest um, producer of aluminium bicycles, so volume-wise, absolutely huge. Um, that was just before the Far East kind of manufacturing boom took off, so probably one of, one of the last um, Western bike brands really before that, before that Far Eastern boom. Um, beginning of the 90s, Vitus made one of the first monocoque carbon bike frames, um, completely one-piece frame, internal cable routing, complete aerodynamic, uh, beautiful thing. It kind of shares a lot of trends with, with modern aero bikes, which is pretty crazy from, from the beginning of the 90s. Uh, and from that point forwards, the brand brand really struggled as the, the Far Eastern manufacturer kind of yeah competed with with uh, with the, the local French manufacturer, uh, and they couldn't keep up really. So the brand changed hands a number of times. Um, nothing really happened with it until probably 2010, uh, where the brand was acquired. Um, the brand name was acquired by Chain Reaction Cycles, so the the Northern Ireland based online retailer. Um, and from that point forward, they, they, they relaunched the brand, um, kind of taking bikes in, in every category, really. Um, and that kind of takes us to where we are today. Today, the brand is now owned by a German group called Signa Sports United. Um, Signa Sports United own, uh, I think, seven bike brands in total and a number of online retailers um, in the cycling, outdoor, tennis categories. Um, and the, the big benefit for us in that is because um, we essentially can offer a direct-to-consumer bike model, but we've got this, this advantage of these, these retail partners who are also in the group that allow us to, to do it and to reach a huge customer base. So we don't have to do it just from the Vitus website. We've, we've got these, these extra weapons, if you like, um, which help us get the bikes out there because um, a number of those retailers are, are global retailers. And that's sort of a, a, a common story. I mean, you know, the, a lot of brands now are sort of experimenting with different ways to make the consumer direct model work. And I think there's sort of been a pendulum swing. If initially it was totally eliminating the retailer from, from the equation, and now there's a little bit of a swing back where we're seeing that there is a way to involve retailers that is effective for both parties and most consequently uh, making it beneficial for the end consumer. So that's an interesting model. Um, but what's also interesting here is that Vetus has this long history um, and, and, and it's actually not all that uncommon for a brand like that to kind of go through ups and downs and many acquisitions and things like that. So this isn't exactly an uncommon story. Uh, you know, one of the things though that, that Vetus has struggled with is an association with Wiggle. 
Can you tell me a little bit about what your arrangement is with Wiggle and, and why it's become something you need to talk about? The arrangement is is basically that we uh, we kind of utilize some of some of the group's assets, if you like. Um, so we we share some warehousing, we share some office space. Um, we have a completely independent team working independent to, to the Wiggle the Wiggle team uh, and the Chain Reaction Cycles team. Um, but but bringing bringing that together just allows us to to benefit from from some of the things that those guys have from from their scale. Um, things like warehousing, um, things like uh, dispatch of bikes, um, things like that. Really, so it's 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 really a beneficial partnership, if you like. Um, and, and hopefully, I, at the end of the day, the consumer is the one that benefits because we're able to get these bikes out there to all these different countries really quickly. We've we've got this great customer support network, um, not just directly, but from the from the retail partners as well. Um, so yeah, hopefully, hopefully it benefits everyone. Yeah, and I think it, from a business sense, I mean, does it make sense to partner in that sense because you know any bike brand deals with immense overhead costs and you know warehousing is not cheap and shipping is not cheap and the logistics requires manpower. Uh, I mean, just those things right there could put a small brand out of business very quickly. Uh, I mean, is that is, is that a part of the equation for you uh, partnering with Wiggle? It's about having an efficient business. Um, and you, you see this more and more across different industries. And we see it in the cycling industry. You've got, you've got bigger organizations that, that own lots of sub-brands. A, a, a good example would be, would be PON, who own Santa Cruz, Cervelo, GT. I mean, four or five other kind of top, top-tier bike brands. And what, what that allows those brands to do is, is take advantage of... Um, the group efficiency. So whether that's that's warehousing, it's shipping. We all know shipping rates are are absolutely crazy at the moment and uh, we're suffering from it and the consumers are as well. Um, But that that stuff helps um, so that the more efficient we can make the business, the more the more of that efficiency we can pass on to the, the consumer with with better better value effectively. I think we've we've actually skipped over kind of an important question, which is what is Wiggle? Uh, you know, in the U.S., it's not quite as uh, well known. So, uh, for for those of us who are sitting here going, "Well, wait, wait a minute, why 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 is this even a bad thing?" There doesn't seem to be any negative connotation here. What is Wiggle? Uh, so, Wiggle is um, a British online multi-sports retailer. So, they operate in the cycle, outdoor, running, fitness um, categories. Um, Wiggle is a an online brand owned by Cygnus Sports United, um, as are Chain Reaction Cycles, which you guys in the US will know very well, um, Pro Bike Shop in France, which is uh, the French equivalent, um, and a number of German equivalents as well in the cycle sector. Um, yeah, so, so yeah, online global retailer in the sports industry. Um, so, you know, for, for an American audience, there may not even be a negative connotation there. Uh, I mean, it just seems like a logistics thing. Um, so, you know, does it feel to you on your end sort of much ado about nothing? Uh, yeah, I, c- I can understand. So there's, I can understand some people's reservations with the perception of own brand and, and value. 
Um, the reality of it is that we operate quite independently um, as a separate business unit. Um, we're not we're not constrained or dictated by Wiggle policy or chain reaction cycle or, or, or any of the other retailers within the SSU group. Um, and ultimately, we're we're here to build a build a bike brand that that hopefully consumers are going to love. And, and yeah, 100% of our passion is is about building that brand and um, getting people on our bikes. So you know, it seems to me that the the story here is that Vitas has this rich history and was really in danger of never seeing the light of day again. Uh, and this investment, uh, you know, from another company and the logistics involved with that came came with that sort of saved the brand and allowed you to keep moving forward and, and developing new bikes, correct? Yeah, the, the brand the brand changed hands um, from the early 90s, uh, I think three or four times. At one point, it was owned by Look. Uh, another point, it was owned by Time, two French uh, brands. Um, it was owned by a uh, cycle distributor in France as well, but, but nobody had the... The resource to kind of get it going again, um, particularly when competing with with kind of the the Far Eastern power at the time, um, Trek specialized. Those guys were were really coming to the fore um, at that time. Giant as well would be another one. Um, yeah, so so being brought on by by these guys just just kind of yeah opened the door really to. To the potential for the brand. Where are the frames made now from Vitas? Uh, in a mix of places. So the majority of the bikes come from Taiwan. Um, a few come from Vietnam and Cambodia. The usual place that, that a lot of bikes come from, right? Uh, and we're, we're going to talk in just a minute about the bikes specifically, because, you know, when, when you have a brand that, you know, kind of gets snatched up or, you know, falls under the the umbrella of another company i think there's this perception that oh we're just dealing with another off the shelf you know bike that where they're buying molds and just pumping them out but that's not how vitas operates there's there's a lot of of neat little designs that you guys have incorporated into your bikes to make them very consumer friendly um we're going to take just a quick break and when we come back we're going to talk a little bit more specifically about what kind of bikes vitas makes and who they're for we'll be right back why hello there podcast interruption alert but i will only take a few short moments to say that if you're enjoying this podcast you will love the regular magazine so if you're not a reader already then you can subscribe at ruler.cc for as little as six pounds per month if you don't speak northern irish that's six times 100 pennies and for the price of a few coffees you get regular columns from the wonderful ned bolting myself orla shinnawi and some of the very finest independent cycling journalism there is, all wrapped up in a wondrously beautiful publication. Go to ruler.cc. I'll leave you to it. Hi, everyone. Dan Cavallari here. I wanted to jump in and say that this episode has been sponsored by Whoop. My colleague Rachel, for those of you who don't know, is an ex-athlete and used to race in Belgium full time. She's been on her own journey to find her balance between maintaining her love of cycling whilst juggling her nine to five job. Thanks to our partnership with Whoop, she will be trialing the Whoop 4.0, which is changing the game when it comes to wearable devices and is the latest in personalized, non-invasive digital fitness. Train harder, recover faster, and sleep better with 24-7 personalized insights from Whoop. 
Rachel is joined by a WHOOP coach, Jeremy Powers. He's the WHOOP marketing manager for cycling, former pro cyclist, four-time cyclocross national champion in the United States, and current GCN commentator. That's quite a list of accolades. They discuss how WHOOP can be your North Star when navigating your fitness journey. So Rachel, over to you. Jeremy, welcome to the podcast. How are you today? I'm doing great. Thank you so much. How are you doing? I'm doing good as well. Nice sunny day in London for a change, which is nice. Yes, things are happening here in Massachusetts too. The, the, all of the uh, spring flowers are coming up at the house, so lots of good colors. In the riding also this time of the year, before the allergies fully kick up and everything pops, um, it's a nice time to ride right now. Yeah, it's a nice sweet spot between kind of not too hot and not too cold. Tell me, tell me exactly what you're looking to do. I, I've, um, you know, we've had it, we've had some chance to get to know each other here, but tell me what you're looking to achieve with Whoop. And as a rider myself, I used Whoop a ton, so I hope that I could help you a little bit in, uh, in your Whoop journey. Yeah, I, as you know, I used to race in Belgium full time, and I did this for two years. And during that period, I felt like I had so much time to train. It was kind of the only thing I had to worry about in my day. But since stopping racing, I've got this nine to five job and I love my job, but it does mean I've got a lot less time to train and I'm kind of navigating a new approach to training because I do still want to be fit and competitive. So it has been uh, a bit difficult to balance fitting everything in and it's been a big change in lifestyle. So I'm hoping that Whoop will kind of be able to help me get the right balance between training and everyday life. Yeah. Yeah. We hear this. We hear this a lot. Whoop can give people a really good sense of um, where to push and where to pull back. I love I love to personally use Whoop to just keep me um, aligned to what the what the the North Star, as I like to call it, is, which is that I get into bed every night around ten o'clock. What 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 else do you want to get from it? What's been hard for me is kind of keeping that consistency. Like you say, I, I can kind of really push myself for a few sessions, a few days in a row. I'll be really motivated, get up at like six a.m. to train, but soon I feel really burnt out, and then uh, for then for the next few days I, I do nothing. I think I'm hoping that Whoop will be able to kind of help me balance where, when is the time for a rest and kind of, you know, I feel like I should, I should maybe push on, but actually in the long run, that'll probably do me more good, more bad than good. At it, yeah, right. At, it, at its core, Whoop is, you know, a great recovery product. I mean, it does a lot of things, but it can definitely, it, it will measure while you, while you sleep, it's measuring your heart rate variability. So those milliseconds in between each of your heartbeats. When I'm sleeping, it's working for me. And then the data is there for me to back up a decision so that I can make a better decision about how I want to uh, push or pull back. Yeah. Yeah, no, thank you, Jeremy. I think that's that's really helpful. And uh, I'm super excited to kind of see how if I can make some improvements just generally in my fitness with Whoop. And I think it's really going to going to help me kind of get that balance which I'm definitely missing at the moment and for listeners of the podcast the next few weeks I'll be updating you on my fitness journey with Whoop so if you're interested in joining me to unlocking that best version of myself and improving my fitness you can go to whoop.com to find out more and listeners of the Ruler podcast will get a 15% discount on any Whoop membership when they use the code Ruler during checkout. We are back with the Ruler Magazine Tech Podcast. I am still your host, Dan Cavallari. I am still here in Colorado, and I am still talking to the gentleman from Vitas Components. Uh, as a reminder, that's Alex A.J. James, the marketing manager, who we have not yet heard from, and Jody Shan, uh, senior product manager. So, you know, before the break, we talked a lot about what Vitas's history is and why the, the partnerships that it has made make a lot of sense, not only for the brand, but also for the end consumer who will benefit from the product. So let's actually talk about the other part of that equation, which is the product itself. 
what what is the story with Vitas bikes at the moment? Uh, what kind of bikes are you making, and how are they different from anything that's out there? Before going deep into the in, into the bike, which I'll definitely let Jordi talk about, I think that where we are at the minute and who we are as a brand has a massive impact on how we design and develop our bikes. So at the minute, we we genuinely see ourselves as ourselves as a as a bike brand that concentrates and focuses on the wants and needs of real everyday riders as we call them so breaking that down there's there's a tiny twinge a tiny vibe of anti-elitism that runs throughout everyone on 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 vitas whether it's marketing product management r&d and so on so a big big focus for us is listening and building bikes for people who ride and race their bikes every day, not just concentrating on the 0.0001% of the elite riders that we all wish we could be. And I think that's a super important thing to keep in mind when we're talking about the bikes and how we develop because it is genuinely something that runs really strongly throughout the team. We are hell-bent on supporting grassroots racing, designing and developing bikes for those guys and girls that got to drive themselves to races that is the angle that we're trying to take in the market. Giving accessible performance to everyday riders is a massive, massive passion point for us as a brand. And as Jody will probably chat about, you'll see how how big of an impact that has on the design and development process of our bikes. I think there's, there's it's like a multifaceted thing. So it's... It, it, um, in terms of the product management, product design side of things, it, 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 it's about making bikes that are usable. Um, so I, the, big, the big thing at the moment would be things like internal cable routing on road bikes. It's fantastic, right? It, it looks great. It's really aero. But there's a lot of negatives. There aren't many positives when you review a bike about internal cable routing. So it's, it's about making, making a choice as to whether that's something that the consumer is actually going to benefit from or not. Um, if you do design it into a bike, how can we do it in a way that allows as much ease of maintenance on the bike as possible for bike shops or for people, people at home? Um, a, a big part of our R&D time is, is getting a finished bike and putting it in the garage of R&D engineers and just letting them fiddle with it like a, like a consumer would, would fiddle with a bike. And it, the amount of things that we, we just we pick up on that, that we think might be, might be difficult or annoying and, and change little bits and pieces. So, so that, that's, a, that's a big part of it, I think. Uh, and the other part of it is, um, is about not having bikes priced beyond the reach of most people. Um, we don't put a lot of marketing budget into things like going after world tour teams it's incredibly expensive and invariably that price comes back into the retail price of the bikes um, it's millions and millions of dollars to be to be involved at, at that level um, and it's decisions like that I think that, that just allow us to to make our bikes hopefully more accessible um, and more available to people and I'm looking on the website right now at the you know for example the Vitas uh, Vitesse Evo uh, and you've got an ETAP Axis equipped uh, red uh, ETAP Axis road bike uh, for 5,500 uh, uh, British pounds. 
Uh, I'd, I'd have to do the calculation to find out what that is in U.S. dollars, if, if you all can give me a second. But, um, you know, that is still expensive, right? Like, it's not cheap, but it is, you know, the, the equivalent bike in, a, uh, in many brands is, is a, that's a $10,000 you know, us dollar. Again, I don't know the, <laughs> the, the transition there, but, um, um, you know, that's a $10,000 bike, right? So what are some of the ways that you keep that cost down? I mean, you know, how do you do that? Um, when, when others are charging almost twice as much, I mean, where does that cost savings come from? Joe did probably jump in after me as well, but again, like I think, I think it's based on the structure of the business, and that is the benefit of being part of SSU and you know being sold directly through the likes of Wiggle, CRC, and other SSU websites. Is that we cut the, the D2C model allows us to cut out the middleman. You know we get massive buying benefits from being part of such good big organisations. And then the other thing, which is which is a genuine point that Jordy's already mentioned, is the approach in terms of marketing of not sponsoring any huge teams the savings that we get to make and put back into the r&d process and back into the bikes is massive from us not taking that approach and that's something that i'm personally proud of and i know that the rest of the team are proud of as well so there's multiple factors um i don't know if jody you've got anything to add to that as well yeah the last the last thing i would probably say is is about the efficiency of how we run as a business. We, we are a small team versus probably similar sized brands, bike brands. Um, we have a very small focused product management team, um, the same R&D engineering team, um, again, is, is small. Um, we, have a, we have a two-man marketing team. Um, and then we get, we get to kind of utilize as, as AJ said some of the the expertise and, and efficiencies from other areas of the SSU group um, so yeah it just allows us to be to be lean in terms of how we operate um, and I think that part of that's having having right the right people having good people on board um, who can work in that kind of an, of an environment uh, and then just being really focused on on costs as, as AJ was saying. Um, knowing, knowing exactly what we want to do, how we want to do it, and conscious that, that we're not going to spend these huge, big, great sums that are going to inflate our retail prices um, for the consumers. Now, I guess my, my reason for asking that was, you know, a lot of times uh, cost cutting comes at the expense of, of development and, and technology. And I'm curious what that process looks like for you. What it, Dive in a little bit to the R&D. I mean, I'm looking at, for, for example, the ZX1 Evo, which, you know, for all intents and purposes, looks like an arrow all arounder. Um, and, and, you know, we're, we're seeing more of those types of bikes. But, you know, there's there's a couple ways to approach that. One is to simply just buy a design and, and plug it into a mold and put components on it. And then the other is to do your own testing and your own development and, and find your own tube shapes. Which which one of those paths has Vitas taken and what does that development look like? That would be the second one of those paths. So uh, that is 100% Vitas designed, engineered, tested bike. Um how have we done it differently? So what we've done is we've concentrated on, on what's important. Um, we've designed an aero bike. We have CFD tested it via the computer modeling. 
we haven't wind tunnel tested it because in our opinion it, it's it's an expense that we don't need to make that the consumer most likely won't benefit from the consumer's never going to ride that bike in a wind tunnel in a sterile environment um, wind tunnel stats are are almost pointless um, CFD analysis allows you to design an aerodynamic bike. Um, we've tested it against our own bikes, against other brand uh, models, 3D models. We know the bike is fast, um, and we've we've kind of not gone further, which is which has effectively saved us some R and D cost. Um, we have an internal engineering and R and D team. So where I'm sat now, I'm, I'm looking at the engineers sat working away on 3D SolidWorks designing frames on their computers. Um, we've got the, the internal experience here to do that ourselves, so we're, we're not outsourcing, paying for anyone to do that for us. Um, and it's finding the right manufacturing partners as well. Um, so we have, we have a really good um, carbon frame manufacturing partner um, who has a lot of experience. Um, that particular bike uh, comes from a one-piece mold, um, so quite unusual nowadays. Most bikes, uh, bike frames are two pieces and then and then join. So the rear triangle joins to the front triangle. That's actually a one-piece mold, um, which means we can get a lighter bike because you're not using the extra carbon within the frame to, to join the two sections together, and you get a, a, a stiffer, stronger bike frame as well. Um, and we've also kind of there's a one particular project on that bike was the internal cable routing system so we we chose to work with fsa on it um, there's a couple of options with with what we could do we could design our own but again the cost that comes with that goes back onto the retail price of the bike so we we chose not to we chose to work with fsa on the system that they already had um, what we did was a little design project jointly with fsa to modify their system slightly to fit in with what we wanted out of the bike effectively to meet meet our brief hopefully we've we've got something that looks a little different to their system looks a little bit nicer and more integrated but has still got the the ease of use um, and we've not had to um to invest in in our own parts uh, and again hopefully that benefits the consumer because it, it makes the the ease of finding spare parts replacement parts headset bearings and things like that that much much easier um, which ties back into that accessibility thing that aj mentioned earlier and i'm curious too now i'm looking at the vitus vitesse evo again and and i know you've got now the uh the zx1 evo um is there a an evo level endurance bike or will there be one the answer is yes there will be um so we we took actually took to sea otter we had a had a stand at the sea otter show in california uh, about a month ago uh, we took a prototype there that, that is kind of what you're talking about. Um, it's, it's a little bit different though. So we've, we've taken a bit of a, a, a bit of a twist to the, to the standard kind of typical endurance road bike um, based on where we see that, that market going. Um, I think there's a, there's a trend towards bigger tire clearance and more versatility from, from that style bike was, is effectively a, a comfortable road bike, right? That you can ride for long hours, um, whether it's yeah, multi-day endurance stuff or just just going out for, for the day at the weekend or something. Um, and that that kind of ties in a little bit with, with one area of gravel, which is that performance 
gravel, which which is typically an American style of gravel, uh, because you guys have these yeah wonderful thousands of miles of kind of manicured gravel gravel road, um, and that that allows you to to ride fast basically on, on gravel in in lycra, um, which is which is quite different to what I would call European gravel riding. Um, so yeah, we will kind of see those two areas areas come together in the future, I think, and, and that's the way we will take our endurance road bike. So it'll be focused on more versatility. So you'll you'll see more variance in group set one by and two by in tire choices, um, which I think is is a really interesting concept. And yeah, I, I hate using this phrase kind of one bike to to do everything. Uh, I don't know. It makes me cringe, but. Yeah, the reality of it is, if I was going to buy a bike, then that's probably the bike I would, I would want because I would I would just want to be able to vary my riding a little bit. And I, I think yeah, I think a lot of people will be looking to that kind of thing in the future. That sort of uh, completes the lineup essentially. You know, you've got your your aero bike, your all rounder, and your your endurance bike. Um, are there any other bikes uh, on the road all road side or even gravel and uh, cyclocross that that are that you know are worth mentioning in the evo lineup the, the evo project as a whole was was something that we started in 2018 and, and it was to kind of revolutionize our 700c wheel offering if you like um, prior to that a lot of the team's expertise expertise had been in mountain bike and suspension kinematics and as such, we'd, we'd developed this really strong reputation for um, mountain bikes that, that rode amazingly well. Um, a lot of awards off the back of that. Um, yeah, so 2018, we started kind of to look again at our 700C wheel offering. And, and that's where the Evo thing started. Um, and the first bike that we actually looked at was the cyclocross bike, so the Energy Um uh, we looked at the Energy Evo, which was the, the latest version, which you can see for sale now. Um, that bike, like the ZX1 and the Vitesse, is a one-piece monocoque frame. Uh, exactly the same level of internal R&D and engineering went into that. Um, it was, it's a really interesting area for us because it's probably not the focus of a lot of brands, cyclocross. Um, and brands tend to run longer product life, cy- life cycles as well. So uh, standard bike will probably be around for three years before it gets refreshed, but cyclocross tends to be a bit longer. Um, so we, yeah, we, were, we were able to do something really quite cool with that bike and have, have a bike that is actually competitive with, with the top-level UCI race bikes that you see today. I think we've got... I've not seen a bike with as much mud clearance as ours, um, Weight-wise, it's super competitive. Um, just a really good quality bike. Um, yeah, the Vitesse Evo was was another one that we we did. The ZX1 Evo, and then we've got this new bike coming towards the end of this year, which will cover off the endurance category that you mentioned. Um, other stuff, uh, I don't know if it'll come in the Evo category, but yeah, there are developments. I think gravel, kind of adventure gravel, is probably the most interesting area for us at the moment. Um, I think it appears to be um, splitting in terms of how that category is looked at. So so for us, we'll, we'll probably see it move into two separate categories, one being adventure. Um, so, yeah, I guess kind of touring style 
comfortable, lots of lots of rack mounts, fender mounts, uh, all that kind of stuff. So yeah, guys not riding around in lycra, dressed in shorts and a t-shirt, just just riding because they love riding with with no particular goal in mind. Um, less about performance and more about enjoyment. Um, and then the other side of it will be that endurance, road bike performance, gravel side. And I think that side will take a lot of its a lot of its um, design cues and stuff from kind of performance road um, that sector, but with the built built in versatility that a gravel bike offers, so tire clearance, mud clearance, and all those kind of things. So it seems to me, you know, just sort of to summarize here, you know, Vitas has taken attack of uh, addressing one of the pain points in cycling, which is a lot of people are looking for a performance level bike, uh, you know, a high end bike that, you know, costs less and without sacrificing, you know, the higher end components, the, the, the current designs. And it seems Vitas has done that by, you know, strategic partnerships, uh, and eliminating redundancies in, in manufacturing and in uh, supply chain stuff. So, you know, if you're listening and, and you're saying, well, why would I look at a Vitas over a Trek Specialized Giant or anything, any of the other big ones is, I mean, that's largely what we're, we're talking about here is, is one of the biggest pain points of cycling right now is, is the cost versus the uh, benefit of, of the high-end technology. And Vitas has come up with a very good balance of that. Uh, and so if you want to learn more about Vetus, you can, you can check out VetusBikes.com. Uh, and where, where can they find you all on social media? Yeah, so social media, Instagram, uh, Vetus Bikes. Um, we've also got a, uh, a Facebook as well, um, Vetus Bikes. And we have a really brilliant, fantastic owners group. Um, so if you want any detailed information on bikes or you want to see other people's bikes, um, Vetus owners on both Instagram and Facebook are the biggest bunch of legends in the world um got a brilliant community so yeah there's, there's a few different social spots so definitely definitely check them out if you get a chance um, and you can find them all through our website wonderful thank you gentlemen for joining me today and of course if you have questions y'all can uh, reach out uh to uh social media uh, at ruler magazine you can also get me directly at slow guy fast ride on twitter at slow guy on the fast ride on instagram they give me a couple more letters over there which i like uh and uh of course you know email us reach out on the website we would love to hear from you uh aj and jody thank you for joining me today it was a pleasure to talk to you thanks dan that was awesome nice one dan yeah thank you and uh for those of you listening thanks for listening we will catch you on the next episode of the ruler magazine tech podcast Need to stock up on any weather wardrobe staples? Check out American Giant for hoodies, jackets, sweats, and more pieces you can wear anywhere. All made right here in the USA. Go to American-Giant.com and use code AnyStyle24 for 20% off your order. ACAST powers the world's best podcasts. Here's a show that we recommend. 
Are you a reality TV junkie? Do you ever think, dang, I wish I had someone to talk to about all the trash TV that I watch? Well, look no further, garbage lover, because Reality Gaze is a podcast for you. Hello, I'm Maddie. And I'm Poodle, and we're the Reality Gaze. We talk about all your favorite unscripted shows like The Golden Bachelor, Love is Blind, and TLC's big, messy behemoth, 90 Day Fiance. And if you're driving to work, folding laundry, or just pretending to listen to your husband talk about sports, just put on the pod, and you've instantly got two gay besties spilling all the tea and reading these people for filth. So come at us, y'all. Find Reality Gays wherever you listen to podcasts. Acast helps creators launch, grow, and monetize their podcasts everywhere. Acast.com. <laughs> 